This episode contains references to animals that may upset some listeners. If you've been affected by any issues raised in this week's episode, please contact your local crisis centre. Ding, 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 ding! Trigger warning! talking to dead people <laughs> is that what you've been doing since Help i chatted to you no i didn't try and talk Help to me. any did you did you try and talk to a dead person <laughs> no <laughs> i need, need andreas no. <laughs> he doesn't listen so we can say what the hell we like about your partner well speaking of andreas i did chat to him after last week's episode and I said to him oh yeah you know I mentioned about how Swedish people go to graveyards all the time and he was like well I think it might just be my dad and maybe just my family. Michelle I had a feeling as you were telling that story but I didn't <laughs> want to burst your little bubble I thought I wonder if that's just something that that family does. All these Swedes saying we don't always hang out every week in this in a cemetery in a cemetery but, but you know what it was more that every time we went that fucking car park is full it's not all just his family no i don't know what it is but yeah it's um i just thought it was a lot of swedish people love to like chit chat with hanging out in the cemetery yeah but anyway apologies to swedish people if i have absolutely just lumped your entire culture in my michelle while we're at it while we're at it why don't we just apologize to the entire world all nations we apologize yeah, it's true. And actually, do you know what? I did listen back and I did have a giggle when you said, Aggity Aunt. <laughs> Raggedy Aggity Aunt. <laughs> the Aggity Aunt. God I, knows what his name was. I get was, excited. Yeah. He was the Agony Aunt for Let's Take a Break magazine's spiritual That's section. Right. He was the psychic, Gordon the Psychic Baker. Oh, fucking well, really, He know. wasn't a real estate because we've got a psychic real estate agent. Thank you, Hazel. Yes. She's been. She's got a bit quiet. She's, she's got a bit off radar. Very busy. I've seen her Facebook. She is hither and thither at the moment. She's having mm. a ball. Good for her. Yeah. Sorry, I was just swigging my rum. cup of green tea. Oh. No, I've got the rum there for later. <laughs> well, I'm on the London Nootropic. Thanks for the little mention, London Nootropics. This is my mushroom. Oh, your mushroom coffee. coffee. Yes. Sorry, I forgot what I was even I, drinking. Just... I was that high. <laughs> Do you know what? You were showing it to me, and I was it's like, "It's a cup." It's, a, it's cup. a cup full of mushroom coffee, adaptogenic herbs and psychotropic mushrooms. Does it, what does it not actually really. do? How do you feel? High no, as a not fucking kite. Oh, really? I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> it's just a bit of ground up coffee, coffee with some nice herbal things stuck in there. And mushrooms are, are the new superfood. Oh, I think they've been around for a while, but maybe it's a fancy mushroom. I don't know. What have I got in this one? Cordyceps and lion's mane. Blimey. All yeah, right. They do different things. How's it taste? Good. It took a little while to get used to because also I was, I'd gone off, the, when I started drinking these, I'd gone off cow's milk or moo juice, as you might have called moo it. Juice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's all cashew, frothy cashew milk in here. It's delicious. You get used to it. I did have a real coffee with moo juice yesterday and oh, that was good too. <laughs> but if, if you didn't think of it as coffee and you just thought of it as a hot beverage, hot beverage, would you? Yes, love would it. Would you recommend? I have about yeah, three okay. a day, so yeah, I recommend. Mm. So, Moosh, I had a funny thing happen to me last week. Oh, Jesus, what happened? Well, my neighbour 
who's an avid listener, I'll just say a shout out to Laura. Here we are, Laura. We've got finally acknowledging your presence. She was walking past our driveway on uh, last week with her daughter. And there was another driveway nearby and they're selling their house and they're getting rid of a whole heap of shit, right? All sorts of uh-huh. crazy crap. Obviously, like really old. So old you wouldn't even want it. Not even good stuff, you know, out the front of their house. And I think they'd walked past and seen a massive great big jar that was full of a dark murky liquid, like the bottom of a pond. And it had sticks and apples and pears. Well, they said to each other with a laugh, who'd want that? Ha ha ha. Why are they giving that away? The next time they saw it, it was on my driveway. Because my husband had seen that and thought, oh, that's interesting. So, oh my God. She told me. And I was like, what? Oh my God. I've just got him to clear our driveway. We're very, we're a very focal point in our neighborhood. Everybody walks past our house and you can see what's going on. And he brings, he he finds things in the skip next door. He's even even taken things out of our own skip when we had some work done. He's he's actually salvaged from our own skip. So anyway, now we've got this great big murky liquid thing on the driveway. And my friend came around and she said, what's in it? He said, she said, did you taste? Do you know what's in it? Taste? No. He said, said, I tasted it. And we were all aghast. We said, what did it taste like? Thinking it was a weird pickle. He said, pond water. No. It is actually just a jar of pond water. Yeah. Oh, my God. With rotten apples and pears. He's still alive. Thank God. Jesus Christ, who who would want to take a risk and have a little little taste of that? I would be terrified. My guy, my guy, your husband. <laughs> so the same week, I ha- I I was coming home and I found a little like tufty head, kind of like Father Jack from Father Ted. Do you remember? Fucking girls, that one. <laughs> okay. He was standing on my driveway. He also had some goodies from that from that person's house oh, from, yeah like he okay, had a couple of pots from the hall yeah from the he had hall. a bit of a hall he said to me are those bikes going spare and I said you can have them there's four bikes out the front that I think my husband was trying to get rid of so I let him have them he was thrilled I said my husband's a bit of a hoarder so you know there's always going to be stuff on the driveway he said so am I really excited <laughs> I am too I'm a hoarder I am <laughs> oh my and he God. said I'm going to take those bikes back I'm going to tinker around with them I'm going to fix them up and I said, well, you know, always have a look. Do ask, though, because some of the things he does want. But I'm trying to keep the front driveway clear. He has other parts of the house that he can use as his hoarding space. She made it awkward. She made it awkward. How did I make it awkward? Awkward, awkward. She made it awkward. She awkward, awkward. 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 Well, this is awkward. How bloody awkward. Well, I was about to say, well, that ties in nicely to what we're talking about this week. What's that, Michelle? (laughs) Hoarders. Hoarders! Yeah, look, I don't even know why I have some kind of fascination with this, but I do. And I think it stems from a horror moment in my childhood where my dad who has passed away and I don't really talk about very often, but he had this bee in his bonnet that he wanted his kids to learn piano. And there was a piano teacher, literally two-minute walk away around the corner in the next street from us, and the man's, they were called. So we went to the man's house to check out, you know, like just have a rundown on what the lessons would involve, blah, blah, blah. And hoarder house 
opened the door, it was literally this tiny sort of human width space in in the corridor. Everything else was piled up with newspapers and just junk. You, you, you literally felt claustrophobic from the second you walked in. And, you know, dad were, and mom were talking to them about the lessons and we walked out of there and I was like, I don't want to go back there. It's horrible. I don't like it in there. And since then, you know, it's it's something that I've always remembered, like seeing that house. And I sort of have like a crazy fascination mm. with it. Well, it is fascinating, isn't it? The, yeah, the psychology it, behind it because it's deep. It is. And there's a lot of like murky truths out there about hoarding and you know, a lot of the a lot of psychiatrists for many years, like the psychiatry industry, were mm. lumping hoarders in with people with OCD. OCD, yes, absolutely. But it's not. No, it's been recently since I think twenty thirteen recognised as its own um, disorder. It is, and when you think about it, it absolutely makes sense because people with OCD they take care of their possessions. Yeah, they they really are like very proud of it. Whereas hoarders. They get something and as soon as they have it and they've collected it and hoarded it, they no longer are interested in that item. So I think that's a really key distinction Mm. in this kind of, I mean, let's call it a mental illness because I think it is. Yeah, although my husband would disagree with that. (laughs) He would also disagree with the fact that he is a hoarder. So try telling a hoarder that they are a hoarder. And also, it's interesting, Michelle, that your piano teacher, potential piano teacher, actually was doing piano lessons from a house like that. Number one, you'd think, how would they make money? You'd have little girls like you a little bit prissy about putting that, sitting there down and getting their their white bloomers dirty on a little chair. Oh, my God, you're <laughs> making me out to be princessy. I'm telling you, it was No, I understand. I'm just joking. feeling you're such a little I'm joking but say people wouldn't want to go in there in the first place and the other thing is hoarders don't want people to look they don't like people to come in and see what's going on because if you are if you know a hoarder if you're related to a hoarder and you try and get them to tidy up or let's get rid of some of this stuff or try and fix it from the outsider's point of view, not the, the hoarder themselves' point of view, they will get really angry and upset because it's taking away their power. So that is that is the disorder itself, I think. So it's not just a word to describe messy people who like to collect clutter. It's actually, you know, like you said, an illness. And other people don't understand how it actually react, how it feels when you're the person collecting or hoarding. No, well, I mean, I... Fix that. I mean, believe it or not, I have been accused of being a hoarder. My home literally did not have one bit of clutter in it. I was shocked, mortified. Well, I do remember going through your wardrobe once and having a bit of, you know, it was difficult for you to let go of some things. Do you remember? Yes, but that was, that's clothing and I had the space for it, so why not just hang on to it until I don't need it anymore? But we were doing it because you wanted to figure out what you could get rid of because you didn't need it anymore. You wanted to get some new stuff and change your style. But you wouldn't get rid of band T-shirts and you wouldn't get rid of T-shirts that your boyfriend had given you. And as a stylist, personal stylist, I have experienced that so many times with clients. Well, I think there is some kind of sentimentality that people have attachments to things. And certainly I did, but when I literally lost everything I own in a fire. Sure, that's cleansing. Then that is, you have no choice. It is gone. Yeah, yeah. 
How did you feel? How did you feel after the initial shock had worn off? I made a really conscious decision to be very zen about it because I had thought to myself, there will be moments when I have anxiety. And in fact, it happened a few nights ago. I thought about a particular item and realized that's gone. That was in the fire. Mm. That's, I'll never see that again. And I had this moment. Yeah. And it's really random. I don't know what triggers these little moments of anxiety, Mm. but I would say 98% of the time I am really zen about it and I just think it's stuff. I'm okay. It's gone. No amount of tears will bring any of that stuff back. And I just have to now buy things that I love and that I want and that make me happy and just not worry about the things that have gone. Yeah, that's true. Otherwise, otherwise I'll be in tears because there were some fucking good shit I know I know you did oh god but it's just things you've got your life you've got your life but listen many many people have some belongings they consider special and it's common to save things because they could come in useful in you in the future when you're hoarding the hoarding the collecting and keeping of all these things because there's so many of them causes you distress and it affects your day-to-day life Yes. Well, this is the thing. Like I did a little digging into why hoarders hang on to stuff. And on the surface of it, some people hoard because they believe that it will be, like you said, useful or valuable in the future, or they feel it has sentimental value and it's really unique and irreplaceable, or they got it at such a bargain that they can't bear to throw it away. Mm -hmm. Also, Some people save things and and hoard things because, like you were just talking about with my wardrobe, it's a reminder of things that will jog their memory and they think that without that they won't have the memory. They won't remember what it is that that item signifies. Mm -hmm. Or they can't decide where something belongs. So they just keep it. They just keep it. But... The deeper reason really is hoarders don't want to make decisions. Weirdly, hoarding is actually associated with perfectionism, Hmm. which at its root is tied to they don't want to make the wrong decision. So they make no decision. Indecisiveness is definitely um, an indicator of of hoarding. Do you remember we talked talked about Joyce Jeffries, who's the character that Chris Lilly plays in Lunatics, the much derided oh, yes. series that we loved. <laughs> now she, her character was fantastic and so complex, I thought. I know people thought that he was making fun of the of people with, you know, with issues. And she was one mm. in particular. She was an ex-porn star, loved her dad, um, dropped out of society and became a collector of things. And she'd often be screaming at people, what are you looking at? Yeah, but she had a good heart. She had a great, I think. yeah. And she had a, then eventually with her collection, she was encouraged to make a museum out of it. And her and her best friend Rhonda were walking around. <laughs> they took an elderly couple on a tour. I just yeah. watched this YouTube, on YouTube the other day. It was so funny. And they were loving it. The old couple were like, yeah, getting into it. Because the Rhonda's like, boom, 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 in the background. And Joyce is going, <laughs> here are my spoons. One, two, three. The spoons we got from Scotland. Look at them. Look at them. Touch my spoons. These are the salad service I got from the council collection. Yeah. Here's my Smurfs. Touch them. Touch them. Look at all my toothbrushes and my corks. 
It was so funny. She also kept, there's another clip of her saying, here's my um, video recorder, my television. I record all of the TV stations all of the time. I don't miss a single second of any television that's happening at any time. I mean, oh that is my proper. God. That's really taking it all in, isn't it? Not missing really? a thing. I mean, do you remember the episode of Toast? Yes. So Susan Random, she was a character in Toast. Yeah, <laughs> Toast of London. So Susan Random was this journalist. She's meant to be the sexy journalist. And she actually turned out to be the, an alcoholic hoarder who had a beak collection. Beaks. Do, do you remember? remember. They had the, they had, she had a collection of beaks. And then she bonded with Jemima Gina, who was stalking <laughs> Toast. <laughs> Who had followed him to Susan uh, Random's hoarder house, where she was, where Jemima Gina was then apprehended by police because she'd gone the, beyond the limits of her electronic tag. tag. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I names. love that episode. And honestly, anybody who has not had the pleasure of watching Toast of London, I absolutely love it. One of my favourite things on television of all time. It's great, isn't it? I love the names and I wish that there was a, I thought of a great character today because I was trying to remember a man's name and I came up with Chris Packett. <laughs> a bit like when you were talking about our old cat that we shared, Pina, the other day Pina. on our Instagram live, Pina's face. We did, yes. So for anyone who's um, interested, we are going to be doing an Instagram live shortly, but we did a little test and weirdly people actually started joining the live and uh, we were talking about how my Facebook page for the cat that Geordie had given me many years ago, Pina, um, had got hacked by some woman called Natasha Ross. And I said, yes, and you know, it, but you can still see see that it's Pina's um, profile because it's still got Pina's face on it. <laughs> and then one of our, list, our, our listeners who joined the live was like, Penis face. So, yes, anybody Funny. who's interested can check out penis face. <laughs> but um, other famous hoarders, mm. uh, I read Andy Warhol. Really? Actually, yeah, really interesting. But only later in life, he turned out to be quite the hoarder. So it turns out he kept these time capsules, is what he called them. Right. Um, Bins, other, other people would call them. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so it, they, it was just random stuff. And he did this sort of during the last years of his life. And he died in 1987. And uh-huh. then when the executors of his estate went through everything. Or executors, Michelle. It sounds like what did I say? Executors. Did I say executors? <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, executors. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> oh, too much wrong. <laughs> Already, a friend of mine the other day said to me that um, she had a she was describing someone as very scatological, and I was like, "What obsessed with poo?" (laughs) No, I've heard other people use that, and they work at the BBC. And I was like, "Well, they've got it wrong." It means obsessed with shit. Yeah, yeah. Poor old Andy Warhol when his executors. So, well, they found six hundred or more of these uh, time capsules. Yeah. Yeah. But they were full of shit. Like it, it they like inside anything. were things like, yeah, unpaid bills, oh. junk mail. Oh dear. There was a leaky can of Campbell's soup, <laughs> and this Poignant. is the weirdest bit. Yeah, yeah, pizza boxes, but with pizza, pizza crusts inside. Pizza crusts or just whole yeah. pizzas? No, he he nibbled on them, just left the crust. But yeah. these were very very uh, deliberate because 
he had labelled everything with what it was and dates. Was it an art exhibition Look, in the making? They say it was hoarding. So I don't know. Okay. But it but apparently in his journals he had written that as he gotten older mm. he'd had he found it really hard to throw things away. Yeah. So I think that maybe as a creative or whatever he something flipped and he found yeah. it he was hoarding. Can I just say to any uh person out there who is thinking that way who's not actually you know a, a hoarder dis- with hoarding disorder don't because you're going to die and you're going to leave all that shit for someone else to pick up and go. I say this to my husband all the time if you die and leave me with that fucking garden full of shit <laughs> oh god <laughs> I'll be cranky have you heard well, about those those really famous brothers though the Collier brothers I mentioned it to you earlier well, only when you mentioned it. Well, I, I have heard podcasts about these guys before. I didn't do the, my story on them today, but I just wanted to quickly cover them because they are really famous from the 30s and the 40s. And Paddy brought it up because we were talking about hoarding. And he reminded me that there's a song by Declan O'Rourke, who's one of our favourite Irish folk singers. And it's on his Magpie's Eye album called Langley's House, we think it's called. And it's about the brothers Homer and, Lang- Homer and Langley Collier in fifth avenue in new york city but i think it was in harlem so maybe there's another yeah. fifth avenue and now the property has been knocked down and there's a little thing called pocket park in its place mm-hmm. and they inherited they lived with their family in this home and their parents were first cousins and medical uh-huh. as well very medical right i think one was a gynecologist and the other i can't remember but they inherited the, the house when the parents died they were both quite successful brothers as well and there were rumours that there was gold and valuables in this house and they got a lot of unwanted attention from neighbours trying to break in. So eventually they started ha- like boarding the place up. And right. then Langley, who was an engineer by trade, started putting out all these booby traps all around in case people got in. And oh then God. his brother went blind. His older brother Homer went blind. Um, they were living in nests within the, the house, which is obviously Jesus. stories high. You can imagine it. They yeah. had a whole, a whole house. And then he became paralyzed from rheumatoid arthritis. And that, at this point, they weren't going out at all. And they were living in these little nests within full of like, oh, just full God. of shit. Yeah. And he would, uh, Langley would go out after midnight to try and scavenge food to look after his brother. He was his own main carer. And then mm-hmm. one day there was a rumor. Oh, somebody called the cops and they were always calling the cops on these guys. They thought that there was a strong stench of death coming from there. So the police came around. They had to break in somehow. It was really hard. Like there was grills downstairs in the basement. There was things everywhere. They, could, they had to hack their way through. They found the older brother, Homer, the blind and paralyzed oh. one, curled in a ball. He died from starvation and heart failure. His hair no. was down to his past his shoulders. Oh he was in a right God. mess. But they couldn't find the other brother and they thought he must have legged it. So they looked right. everywhere. Ten days later, they found him in... <gasps> Uh, one of his own, like in a little tunnel built within his house. So one of his booby no. traps had got him and he's on his way through there to try and feed his brother. No. They lived like oh, actual no. little rats, Michelle. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, that's heartbreaking. The full story can be found on many other pod- podcasts, not this one, but it's just a yeah. wrap up. Yeah. Oh, Crazy. Jesus. Well, do you, did you ever watch Grey Gardens? No. Okay. So I'd love really, to. Fa- yeah, really famous documentary yeah so about uh, the about the cousins of Jackie Onassis weren't they exactly so documentary from 1975 yes eccentric mother and daughter Big Edie and little Edie Bovier yeah and they speaking of rats they were living in a crumbling rat infested mansion 
full of rubbish, full of actual garbage just oh. everywhere and loads of cats. And this was on Long Island. And the documentary is just incredible. Like it is so fascinating and I would recommend this to anybody who I've wants. got to check it out. Yeah, it's it's become really iconic this this documentary. But um you know, in it, you just see the relationship between the mother and daughter and they fight and they're singing old troll tunes together and <laughs> they wear glamorous but falling apart clothes and fur coats and they squabble and they bicker and, and I think it's little Edie. She, she just will grab any old piece of whatever and like make a skirt. <laughs> make a hat. You know, like they are pure, like total eccentrics. I'd love and to see this. Yeah, and they were the cousins of Jackie Onassis. And the reason they ended up in this kind of squalid situation was because when Big Edie's husband left her, she's, you know, she's one of these, like, women that just doesn't know how to look after herself without a man. And they had to rely on Black Jack, which was um, Jackie's father. And according to Little Edie in the documentary, um, the father of Jackie Onassis basically stole their fortune and gave it to his own daughters. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, and then left them to rot in Grey Gardens. Oh, my god. And goodness. then when the the mother and daughter, um, Big Edie and Little Edie, were facing eviction from it because they were contravening every kind of sanitary rule, Jackie stepped in and paid something like – $35,000. And this is back in like the early 70s. So mm. that was big moolah. Yeah. And uh, to supposedly restore the mansion, but it wasn't restored. It was just basically hauled, like the garbage was hauled away. Oh, Jesus. But I wonder, you know, if there was something in that, in that if she knew that her dad had robbed them of their fortunes and mm. that's why she felt some urge to help or if she just didn't want her name being dragged in the mud. But right. yeah, absolutely fascinating documentary. Really, really recommend it. Shocking. Yeah, really full on. But yeah, I mean, I think hoarding is, is such a a weird, complex thing. And I I looked up some stats on hoarding and worldwide, they reckon 1.5% of the of people in the world are hoarders. Mm. That's a lot. It's a lot. I had a stat somewhere as well. Where was my stat? Let's have a look. Hang on. In the, in the United States, the International OCD Foundation says hoarding disorder affects up to 6% of the population. That's 19 million Americans. That's a lot. It's, it, it's... It's quite full on. Mm. And I I actually did some stats on, I found some stats, which, yeah. It, That's a they, stat. But it was, there was a study and it, it was looking mainly at animal hoarding. And I'm going to come what? back to this. Oh, yes. I am going to come back to animal hoarding. But it was carried out in Brazil in uh, a small town. Oh, so God, it's a small... I just thought what animal hoarding might be. Oh. Yeah, I've got a case for you. Just for your daughter. Um, yeah. And so it was in Brazil in Porto Alegre. And they looked at 33 animal hoarders. And 75% of the, the 33 were low income. 88% weren't married. And 64% were elderly. And they say that these figures are consistent with generalised hoarding disorder so basically low income unmarried elderly Uh uh-huh so and 
it mainly affects, uh, well, animal hoarding mainly affects women, but general hoarding is equal, equal men and women. So it's pretty much 50-50. And like we had discussed, it was considered to be obsessive compulsive, but now, you know, they've realised that OCD medications don't work for hoarders. And um, What medication does somebody on OCD take? Uh... Things that will relieve their anxiety, okay. but this isn't about anxiety. No, hoarders. It's, it's not about anxiety. Yeah, mm. so they've so that's why they've reclassified it, and um, but they also say that like anxiety and depression of are often associated with hoarding. Right. Yeah, and um, obviously like attachment to inanimate objects. Hoarders have anxiety about decision making, but it's not. OCD anxiety so that's why that medication I think doesn't work and they say that hoarding relieves anxiety but it also generates it because the more the hoarders accumulate the more kind of they insulated they feel from the world and everybody else but the more they accumulate of course um, the more isolated they become yes so it's like this double-edged sword they'll tend to keep people away because they don't want them coming and trying to clean up or trying to tell them that what they're doing is wrong yeah and they say that uh severe hoarding is most common in middle age but hoarding tendencies often have like presented themselves in adolescence so and do they say that it can be something that's learned behavior from an adult like from a child adult to child Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have read that. It also, I also read that many hoarders are also socially withdrawn or isolated and they begin to hoard as a way to kind of find comfort because they've got their stuff. Their stuff of it is, becomes their friends and the things that make them feel good. And then I read this thing about hoarders' brains. They did this study at the uh, mental health centre at the Institute of Living in Connecticut and because they recognize that this is a decision-making problem. Hoarding is a decision-making problem. Yes, yep. And they did this kind of um, study where they, they gave these hoarders some junk mail and normal mail, and, and so, and it, but they'd had to bring it in to the study. So it was mail that had been delivered to them. Yeah. And then they were asked... Can you? And then they gave them a pile of junk mail and mail that belonged to somebody else. And they said, "Can you? What? What can you throw away from your pile of letters and junk mail?" They couldn't throw anything away. Wow! And but when it came to other pers- other people's mail, they could get rid of it all because it wasn't Interesting. theirs. Interesting. So it's something about owning ownership. Yes, but interestingly, they wired up the brains, and when they. <laughs> They wired up the brains. Well, they put all the like wires in their brains. Well, they wired it up and they put all the sensors on and right, they okay. were recording like the ECG and all the, the brain activity. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, okay. I didn't now even I make understand. that clear. It's like they just wired it up. <laughs> they just put a wire on my brain. <laughs> so what they found was that um, there was a spike in a particular part of the brain when it came to their having to deal with theirs, oh, their wow. mail. Spike. And Yes, in and I can find out what it is. Was it, it was, dopamine or something like one of those no, feel-good uh, hormones? That, no, they saw a spike in activity in the Chemicals. anterior cingulate cortex and the left insular cortex. Hmm. 
Mm. And there, and apparently it's there's a fold um, within the organ, like the brain's surface wrinkle. Oh, yuck, and Michelle. I know, but yuck. it's really interesting. In people who aren't hoarders, there's no activity in in a decision making process like this. But with right. hoarders, uh-huh. there is a real lot of spike in activity in that part of the brain. So there is something more going on with like the neurological ah. issues. So I think there will be, and it's not in OCD people either. It says here, or people who are depressed. It's mm-hmm. very specific brain activity. So for difficulty hoarders. making decisions mm. and. As a result of that, you've got this, the fold in the brain tissue that whenever you are collecting or hoarding, mm-hmm. that gives a spike in something that makes you feel good, I guess. You got it. Just trying <laughs> to break it down for the layman. I know, because I was probably a little bit confused with what's in the brain. <laughs> um, but then I kind of looked a little bit into what causes like people to become a hoarder. Because we talked about this some of it is learned, mm. but and they, and look, they say that there are no set triggers um, for people becoming a hoarder, although there are risk factors. So one is not being able to make a decision, even just in small things. And you'll probably, mm. I think, if you can see this in um, in children, you know, just keep an eye on it. Not trying to worry people, but you know, like I would. I remember I went through a small phase where I found it really hard to make decisions. I couldn't even choose between a Mars bar and a Snickers. When you were a kid? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and uh. then it's like, I just want the fucking Snickers. Who cares? You know. Oh, we swear a lot. We swear a lot. <laughs> so difficulty making decisions is definitely, a, can be a trigger. Yeah. Like you said, having a family member who's a hoarder then it's sort of you see it, you Learned. learn it, it becomes yeah. part of your experience. And then that I suppose that fold in the brain doesn't get exercised enough and then yeah, it maybe. becomes flabby. Yeah, and you and you're making you know, that you're creating those neural pathways. Yeah. So you're then reinforcing this mm. behaviour. And also when you know, it's like anything. If you see something and that's your experience, then you think it's normal. Mm. But and then they also say that traumatic events can trigger hoarding. So death of a loved one, losing a parent when you're young, particularly, right. serious illness, car accidents, physical abuse, sexual abuse, or in later life, if you've been in the military and you've been PTSD. in combat, kind of, yeah, it can trigger hoarding. Mm. So lots of potential uh, triggers, but... And I think I want to point out here that hoarding is different to collecting. So they're not the same thing because collectors, and I I know people who are collectors, and they have pride about their possessions. You know, they they get such pleasure from buying it. They dust it, dust all their knickknacks and they Present display it. them. And yeah. yeah, they love talking spoons, about them. Spoons, look at my spoons. Spoon. <laughs> but um you know and they really spend time like creating this collection that they're proud of whereas hoarders like you said they feel embarrassed Mm -hmm. about their possessions they feel uncomfortable when others like come and like come to their home and have to see how they live and they have clutter and they feel sad and ashamed and they're often in you know they're not proud of what they're doing yeah, so there is... I feel a, sad. I know. 
no, there's there is a difference. Yeah, I I do have some some stories to tell. Go on then. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm I'm gonna just say there's a trigger warning here. Oh shit, Michelle. I know because it involves animals. So look, so I read about this woman called Terry. She's from Hanover in Illinois, in America. And she was on the show Hoarders. And like I said about animal hoarding, she hoarded cats. And look, she said something like the reason she collected cats was because she felt like she was helping to save them. And apparently you hear this a lot with hoarders. They feel Mm. like they're saving those newspapers. They're saving that television or they're saving these cats. You know, Mm. it's like they feel like they're doing a good deed. But, you know, she wasn't saving them because... She lived in a small house and she had more than 50 cats. And I saw the state of this place and the floors and the kitchen benches, they were covered in cat shit. And when I say covered, what I mean is... Layer upon layer. Yeah. Like think of like the the floor of a chicken pen. Yes. How it's like mud. But Mm. this isn't mud. It's just shit. (laughs) feces it's cat vomit it's everything and it's thick it's thick like fucking inches deep you know it's not just a little cat poo on a bench it's fucking filthy anyway this lady's house looked fucking terrifying I mean you could not see the floor and what's worse was there were just sick animals crawling around everywhere but this isn't the worst bit and this is Michelle this is the trigger warning. Ding, 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 ding. Trigger she, warning. She hoarded dead cats in the fridge and the freezer. What? Yeah. So she had 50 live cats, but she had more than 100 dead oh, ones. Oh, God. And she was, like I said, she was hoarding them in this fridge freezer. What the because, fuck? Yeah, because she was hoping apparently to like cremate Revive them. Revive them? <laughs> Cryogenics. <laughs> <laughs> but she couldn't afford to cremate them. She didn't have oh, enough money. Shit. So she was she just popped them in the fridge and she was hoping to like have enough money to be able to give them all a proper cremation. And oh. this is the real trigger warning. Because she had them in the fridge, the fridge just wasn't up to the task. And when they were oh. cleaning it, they were liquefied cats. Oh, stop it. Oh. Sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> That was, oh. That's the story of the hoarding cat now, lady. Can I, can, Michelle, can I just, can I just say tears. to anybody listening who's very upset by that story and I'm the fact sorry, that we cried laughing. with laughter, oh we're not laughing at the cat's plight. That's terrible. I'm horrified about that. But Oh, dear. Oh, that is fucking atrocious, Michelle. It Thanks for appalling, that. Appalling, appalling. <laughs> So anyway, oh, when I was no more stories about animals. No, well, I do actually have one. Of but course, you when do. I was when I was looking up about uh, this this story, I I was just googling, and and it, you know how you like on Google it has people also ask, and then you have questions yeah. in Google. Well, one of them was how many animals is considered hoarding. Okay. And so an answer came up, and this is a legal definition from Hawaii, and it said uh, anything, if you possess more than 15 dogs or cats or a combination, and you cannot uh, provide food for them Mm. and, you know, 
good living conditions, then that's considered hoarding. So if we're staying on the theme of animals, I just want to tell you about Ratman. Oh, okay. He sounds like fun. So 54-year-old Glenn Britner, he was a businessman from LA. Yeah. And when his uh, wife passed away, sort of as a, a coping mechanism, he started keeping rats as pets. Are they the ones that he bought from the pet store or they're the yep. ones that he found in his basement? Okay, good. No, no, no. He bought them. And he, it started off with three. He had one male and two females. And this was back in 2009. Well, they're going to mate. Well, they escaped from the cage. Oh, okay. And then they started burrowing into the walls of his house. And of course, like you said, they fucking bred like crazy. Rats. Yeah, bred like rats. And two years later, there were more than two and a half thousand what? rats you silly man? in this house. <laughs> that and doesn't sound like he was hoarding them, though. It sounds like he made a very bad mistake. Yes, but he didn't do anything to get rid of them. And he was oh. just, he, he said to he apparently said, yeah, I, I admit, I have I have too many rats. I would hate he even one would be too many for me. Yeah, he wasn't really even sort of that bothered by them. But oh he had to start sleeping in his office because the rats had taken over the whole house. They were everywhere. And <laughs> I, and he it was the one room where there weren't too many because when he was sleeping in his normal bedroom, they would start chewing on his hair because oh. they, needed, they needed stuff to make their little rat nests. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't good. But anyway, the people from Hoarders um, stepped in and then the Humane Society eventually removed 2,000 from his home. What, removed or shot them? Well, it says removed, but it could have been. Smashed them with the back of a spade. (laughs) Drown them in the river. Bam, 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 bam. Oh, my God. I don't like rats. No. I mean, I I love all living creatures, but not rats. Yeah, rats aren't the best. But get this, they only took away 2,000 and of the other 500 They left another 500. (laughs) But they were adopted or given away. Yes. Who's adopting a fucking rat? Anyway, except- Covered in lice. Well, except for two. He kept two. Okay. His favourites that he named Commander Whitehead and Captain Brown Bottom. What? The weird thing is when I was doing the research on this- Turns out, just a few years later, in 2015, he was murdered in what? his house. Yeah. They found him. He had been tied. His wrists had been tied up with, um, like, zip zip ties. And uh, he was brutally murdered and it still remains unsolved. Wow. I don't it think it's connected Captain to Captain Whitehead or Major Brownbottom. Captain Brownbottom. <laughs> no. So, poor old rat man. He made a bad end. Oh, my God. That's so yeah. sad. Yeah, and then I'm just going to tell you one last story. Oh, my God, Michelle. So this is about Shanna, the poo hoarder. <laughs> so Shanna's toy her name's Shanna, by the way. I'm not yeah. mispronouncing. Her toilet broke. Mm-hmm. And in order not to clog up the broken toilet. Should she poo in a bag? Because we've all done that. We've all shat in a bag, haven't we? <laughs> We've all done a nature. No, worse. Shanna decided she was going to shit and piss into oversized big water bottles. And she did this for 12 years. So this is a direct quote from her. My mother used to put poop in a jug. She's from America. Okay. That's a great accent. It's actually not how she sounds, but (laughs) she... I'm not even joking, because I watched this. Is this all from Hoarders, the TV show that you watched? This one is from Hoarders, yes. Okay. 
And she is proud. She was proudly showing this shit bucket that had belonged to her mum. And it was kind of like nostalgic. But it's still full? Well, it had all slop on it. Ancient shit? Oh, yeah, God. she doesn't clean it. There's nowhere to clean it, oh and my God. you know, and that's why she shits in buckets and and oh, bloody no. yeah. So in tw- 2012, when the cleaning staff from like the squad from Hoarders went in, mm-hmm. and look, I have to say, Hoarders give them is a medal. Well, Hoarders is a yeah, give them a medal, but it is amazing and terrifying and sad all at the same okay. time. And look, even though I know hoarding is a form of mental illness. And so, so many of the cases are fucking hilarious because in so many of the cases, the hoarders are just really happy. They mm. don't know they have a problem. And some, in some cases, they're even proud of their filth. You know, it's, it is really, they're not like depressed and sad and lonely. They're like, yeah, come on in. And this woman, Shanna the Pooh Hoarder, she is one of them. She doesn't realise she has a problem because back in 2012 when the hoarders cleaners um, arrived at Shanna's house, she had no idea what her house looked like to other people and because it was literally full of shit. There are <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these big water bottles with lids on piled mm. up full of of shit all over the house and she was like yeah you know my house has a musty odor and they're oh. like and they said what do you think causes that and she said oh well it's dust and mold and they're what? like what about all the shit in the bottles th- they said love. it's shit and she's like <laughs> she's like well i can't smell anything i don't think so oh, and then man. it was honestly it's the most intense hoarders mm-hmm. i've ever seen and wow. it was li- like i said even worse there were like used tampons everywhere oh. <laughs> and buckets of shit and uh and she actually she and she turns to the camera and she's like she's like come on like look at my place really you can't call me a hoarder like is this your definition of hoarding and they're like you're one of the worst cases and she was oh, like no. the look on her face was she was in shock oh poor and girl so she's in denial but trigger warning Oh, Worst of all, I know. Look at your face every time I say trigger warning. Trigger <laughs> ding, warning. Ding, ding, trigger warning. Worst I have to of do another all. Ditty. Oh God, I know. She proudly declares she's been eating poo for twelve years, and that she gets high from it. Oh my! She gets high from the fact that God. she knows she's going to eat shit. Now, look. During the episode, oh. it shows how she like shits in this big bucket and then when it's full she empties it using bare hand and a cup <laughs> and puts it into a smaller bucket which she can then throw outside into like okay. this cesspit right right and then she's like my neighbors don't have a problem with it because they've never said anything yeah they fucking do have a problem with it and oh she's God, i've got a problem with it yeah and she's happy and cheerful and she's really oblivious and unconcerned about the way her house oh. is and then when the show presenters finally managed to get the message through to her that if you don't clean this up, you're getting evicted. Yeah. Kind of the penny drops. And, and very, very sick. Why is she not sick from eating her own poo? Well, get this, right? So she says, yeah, I know I have to change, but she's like, party ends tomorrow. And she's like, I will get the party started one last time because what? she party wants to eat her last bowl of food with shit in it. Literal <laughs> shit in it. And she's there... She's like, yeah, 
I'm going to, the party's going to end tomorrow. I'm going to eat my, my food with shit in it. Like she wants to eat it. And so she's like, she begs the, the show producers not to rob her of her last chance for her. And this is direct quote, her last blaze of glory. Michelle, she's I feel there, like I'm in a dream right now. I'm having a dream and yeah. I'm going to wake up in a little while and I'll pretend, I'll say, Michelle, did you tell me a weird story about somebody who ate their own poo? Do you know what? And it, But the thing is, it's like this, you see her eating this bowl of soup and there's all shit all around the rim of the bowl Aww. and in the soup and she's there loving it. And look, I have to say, for someone who literally eats her own shit, her skin was clearer than mine. <laughs> she she had this gorgeous looking glowing skin. Like it's I don't peaks, know. Peaks and troughs. Yes. Yes. Yeah, literally Benefits. a trough. Literally a trough. <laughs> but anyway, look, the episode had a happy ending because Shanna was given therapy and she And a new toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> and they put her in a new house, actually, and she started afresh. So <sighs> okay, good. So Shanna had a happy ending. So that's great. There you go. Oh, Michelle. Sorry. Thank you for those horrific Sorry. tales. I can always count on you to go and do some research. That <laughs> my story, in comparison, really doesn't touch the sides. Quite literally. I was going to talk about the Honeycheck sisters. This is a couple of sisters from Detroit. Okay. Uh, and it's only from December 2018 that Ooh. this happened. Oh, okay. Recent. It's a real sad story, really, because yeah, it was Thanksgiving weekend and 80-year-old Sally Honeycheck, who for decades lived in a rundown Detroit neighborhood near the Polish Yacht Club. And I believe they were a Polish community. Honeycheck, yeah, maybe. Honeycheck. Yeah. Mm. She wasn't answering the phone. Her cousin Linda Kajma, or Kaima, uh, I'll just, just call her Linda, went looking for her. Um, Honeycheck, who was an avid Avon makeup collector, had her hair done weekly and she dressed up for church functions. So she looked, and, she was a functioning yeah. member of society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. She yeah. went to things, yeah, did things. There. And she was, there were sisters. So nearly seven decades, this is where the Honeycheck mm-hmm. sisters lived quietly together. They would work on their garden and collect baseball memorabilia. So they were collectors. They'd purchase clothes, makeup, and jewellery by the box load. So they were kind of like, eh, let's have a little bit, you know, kind of All like right. s- kind of yeah. stockpiling a little bit. So their parents had bought this um, pole town, this is the name of the area, this home in 1951 and raised their children there. And then the, the daughters never left after their parents died, much like the Collier brothers in the previous uh-huh. story that I told. The sisters stayed on and somewhere along the way, something happened to them, unbeknownst to relatives or friends. Okay. Ended up just shutting the blinds to their house. Oh. Shut the, shut the doors. Just became ordered, reclusive. Just became reclusive. Ordered takeaway and had their groceries delivered. Okay. No family or friends ever set, set foot in the house. You know, they had Weird. previously, but yeah, okay. from this point onwards, they kind of didn't. They'll, no one would enter the house, not even the delivery drivers. Mm-hmm. The sisters slowly slipped into an abyss of hoarding and squalor, which nobody noticed until it was too late. Ooh. And from the outside, you'd never know. They had all these beautiful lilac bushes and the house was lovely and the lawn was mowed and the bushes were trimmed. So they, um, they must have had like a garden or maybe they did yeah. it themselves. I don't know. And when they left the house, the Honeycheck sisters were always beautifully turned out. Right. So they did. They put on a front. It looks like it. Yeah. 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 So the last time their cousin Linda had spoken to the Honey Checks was the first week of November 2018. Okay. So around Thanksgiving, which is the end of November, mm-hmm. no one was answering the phone when Linda rang. She phoned through all the way through the holiday weekend and still no one's answering. 
So she got really worried and she rang the Detroit police the following Monday and then she asked for a well-being check. What's so funny? I just thought of the cat. I just... <laughs> Sorry, keep going. You're so sick. Oh, God. She said she knew something was wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And these sisters had a dog. Stop oh. thinking about your cats, Michelle. There's no. a dog. No. And the police noted that the dog wasn't barking when they went round and knocked on the door. No one's answering. Blah, blah, blah. Linda told the police to break into the house, but the officer said a breaking a break in wasn't warranted. They advised her to check the hospitals. Okay. They advi- the police advised Linda to check the hospitals. Okay. And she and then Linda also added that the police had learned that the sisters were recently hospitalized. Oh, unbeknownst to the family, I guess. Unbeknownst to the family, exactly. Uh So later that night, Linda found Sally Honeycheck's sister, Lorraine, at Detroit Receiving Hospital. And she was on a ventilator and had been there since suffering a stroke on the 10th of November. Okay. But Sally wasn't there. Okay. God, that's not nice. No, not good. So Linda called the police back and said to them to meet her at the Honeycheck's house because by this point she's absolutely convinced that Sally must be in the house. Mm -hmm. So about 9pm that night, the police met Linda outside the house and they knocked on the door but there was still no answer. So she begged the police to break in and they refused, convincing Linda to file a missing persons report. And at this point, Linda's thinking, it's just taking so long, you know. The poor old thing must be, you know, in the right state. Couldn't she just break a window and get in? Well, this is what she ended up doing. Yeah. Yeah. So the reluctance was because there was no sign of any foul play and there was no post in the box and they'd spoken to the neighbours and it all seemed fairly regular. Yeah. Yeah. So within two days of meeting the police at the house, Linda uh, learned from the hospital staff that both sisters had been transported to the hospital. Okay. And it was Sally Honeycheck that called 911 when her sister suffered the stroke on November 10th. So she was sitting in a lawn chair in the kitchen when it happened. All right. But when the emergency crews arrived and saw the living conditions, oh. they called for a second ambulance to get the other sister as well. So clearly oh, they were hoarders. Yeah. Oh, God. According to Linda, hospital social workers were hoping to convince Sally Honeycheck not to return to the house. But Sally checked herself out of the hospital at 1 a.m. on November 12th, telling the hospital staff that she had to go and feed the dog. Right. Okay. And that's the last time anybody reported seeing her. <gasps> she was never I been know. she's never been seen. Well, on Thursday, November 29th, Linda yeah. said a detective called her and said that Sally Honeycheck wasn't really missing because she was of sound mind when she checked herself out of the hospital. So mm. Linda, the cousin is still trying to get a little bit of help here. The next day she called police and said, "Look, I'm going to break into that house and I'm telling you ahead of time so you don't arrest me for breaking and entering. But if you don't think there's anything wrong, I know there is. I'm, I'm getting going in. in. Yeah. So the next day she returned to the house with a friend who was a retired Detroit police officer. Okay. This is December the 1st now. Linda put on a hazmat suit. Oh, Jesus. Just in case of, you know, probably like on line, line of duty, keeping yourself, you know, forensically, forensically inact, clean. intact. Yeah. yeah. She put on her hazmat suit and broke into the sister's home. Once inside, Linda was appalled at the sight before her. Oh, God. There was garbage a foot deep. The first oh. room she entered was the kitchen where she passed a lawn chair with what she thought was a Halloween prop adorning it. It was a puffy kind of corpse slumped over the chair and no. it had no eyes, no mouth, uh, no nose, just a bit of hair on a skull, basically, and bones sticking out from under a red sweater and plaid pants. What was it? Plaid trousers, let's just call it. Leg bones came out of each trouser leg and on top of the skull was what she thought was a wig. 
she thought to herself, what the hell is wrong with them? And she would call, she was thinking that about her cousin. It's like, what are they doing putting silly dummies around like that? That's weird. And the state of the house was really shocking. She kept moving through the house, finding the dog in the dining room. And then she went back outside. The police asked if Linda had seen Sally. She answered no, but they've got a Halloween decoration in the kitchen. And then no. by then the police had arrived and... So, sorry, it was the police friend that said, did they? Did you see Sally? And but then the police had arrived and they offered to go back in with Linda. And that's when everything went blurry for Linda. Because once in the kitchen, in front of that blue lawn chair with a puffy corpse doll, the police officer said, Linda, she's right here. The dog has been eating on her. No! Oh, my God. Sorry. Oh, my God. Poor Sally Honeycheck had died alone in the filth of her kitchen, sitting in a nylon blue lawn chair. And she was surrounded by garbage, a foot deep, empty sardine cans, stacks of greeting cards, takeaway bags, burned out appliances, dirt stained walls. And she'd been eaten by her dog and rats. No! Yeah, Captain Brown Bottom made an appearance. Oh, God. I'm sorry, I shouldn't joke, but it's so sad. It's It's so sad. It's so sad. So the other sister was still alive in the hospital at this point. She's in the hospital, thank God, yeah. Oh, my God. In the next room was Honeycheck's deceased Rottweiler, Jack, another victim of the house that had no heat, rat-tube mattresses, squid-like fungi growing out (gasps) of the walls. And dirt-crusted floorboards that sagged so much that Linda fell through the kitchen floor. Oh, my God. And that's the thing. Like, How did they shower and look so presentable when they left the house Mm. when they probably couldn't even get to the bathroom? Don't know. Wet wipes. terrifying. Oh, God. The coroner revealed that Sally Honeycheck died of natural causes and found there was extensive post-mortem animal consumption of the body. (laughs) Sorry. Trigger warning. Ding, 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 ding for the 15th time this episode. Linda believes her cousin died at least a week before the day her body was found. And the state of the honey checks home was case case book hoarder disorder. Oh, yeah, my God. The beds couldn't be used for sleeping. The sofa and chairs could not be used for sitting and the appliances didn't work. Boxes of clutter in every room filled with everything from greeting cards to unopened bags of clothing to Avon makeup, boxes, jewellery and sports memorabilia. Blimey. They hid their hoarding from the world so no one knew how bad it had become. Yeah. Of course. And if you stop visiting people, it gets worse. Yeah, but they don't let you in. They don't let you in. This poor woman, Linda, was left with the sole responsibility of handling the estate and all the affairs. She had to clean the house, locate insurance policies. God. She had weeks and weeks of work to do. She sorted out a place for the other sister to live in a nursing home in Michigan. They, They had to have hazmat suits in 30 degree temperatures working week upon week. And the um, they, filth, they, the rot. Yeah. They could only work for 20 minutes at a time because it, it, the stench was overpowering. Imagine those poor hoarder teams going in with the poo lady. Oh, Jesus. No, it's just dust and mould. Oh. <laughs> but what they did find, as well as all this other shit, was uh, hidden cash, 10 and $20 bills tucked everywhere and right. rat shit in the cupboards, beds, floor. Right. So they were just the finding like hoarded money in mm. like... Amongst the rat poo. Blimey, fuck. Yeah. So Linda believes her cousin's mental health deteriorated after she retired from her job in insurance about a decade before. Mm. She showed, there was a photo from 2003 that showed the house was clean and organised just as she'd remember it on her last visit. So there was a moment like when, maybe when there was no more, you know, work to do or no kind of like need to get out of the house. Yeah. 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 I I wonder if this is is increased the hoarding disorder has increased during lockdown 
that will be something that comes out in the future, I think, when we see the the mental health effect of, of the pandemic on the population. Mm. You probably won't see it for another few years. It won't be revealed. But yeah. I think we're, we're in for some nasty mental health surprises um, yeah, yeah. coming up. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? There is help out there if you need it, if you think that you've got somebody who needs help. Mm. Obviously, you know, don't just leave them to it because it gets worse. It and, does get worse. You know, check in with your local mental health authorities. But then you've got people like Bob and Lizzie Gibbons. Two old who? Age- Bob and Lizzie Gibbons. <laughs> two old age pensioners in their 70s from Herefordshire. They, they don't consider themselves hoarders i'll let you be the judge but they have 246 dolls and they say they don't use them for sexual pleasure they just like living with them (laughs) and they just sit the dolls down they have a cup of tea with them they eat dinner do they clothe them yeah i think so but bob but look at those mouths well, good for a cup of tea, I guess, and, <laughs> and a jam roly poly, and but yeah, the whole roll in. Yeah, but do you know what? It's weird because Bob Bob Gibbons says he's never had sex with any of the dolls. Oh no, but they've spent more than a hundred thousand pounds on these, on these dolls. bits of rubber. Oh. Yeah, so I think I'm probably for the amount of money that they've spent. It's probably more collecting yeah. than hoarding. Okay. But okay. two hundred and forty. Of wow. these. And counting. Yeah, my God. So, you oh, know. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, it's a wild, wild world out there. It sure is, Michelle. Well, that's it. That's all my stories. Oh, thank God for that, Michelle, because I'm, I am quite shaken up by some of those tales. I'm sorry. Told. I'm sorry about <laughs> the cat story. Never mind. And I'll tag it. Please don't let your kids listen. Too late yeah, now. No, little ears <laughs> might not want to be listening to this episode. It wasn't too much swearing, though, Michelle, as far as I could remember. Yeah, well yeah. done. That's Yeah, you're fucking right. So, as usual, like, subscribe, share, go to the website, send us your stories. Yeah, we want to hear know from what you. To do. And if you want us to cover anything, uh, let us know. And until yeah. then, keep eavesdropping.